funky people. This is Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com, and I hope you are ready to get real, real, real funky. I mean, dirty funky. I mean, I want you to take your shoes off right now, and I want you to rub the funk from between your toes. Now, that's funky. That's Dayton funky. You have found the What Had Happened Was podcast. I got a real funky one for you this time. You're going to be on fire. You see what I did there in a second. I sat down and talked to James Diamond Williams of the Ohio Players. He's been keeping the Ohio Players fire going, fire, for 45 years, keeping it funky in Dayton and around the country. He was uh, named, of course, number 72 on Rolling Stone's best drummers of all time list. Now, how cool is it that we have one of the world's best drummers living right in our community? Diamond and I had a really good conversation. We got all into it, got funky with it, all that good stuff. And 45 years later, still out there making up music. In fact, the Ohio Players just recently released a new record, and they got an album coming out. They're still touring and doing all that stuff to spread Dayton funk around the country. So I talked to him, and he's an opinionated guy, too. He said some things that were, you know, a bit controversial. Some people in town won't like him, but he said them, and he meant it. It was a real education talking to him about not only funk music, but music in general and where it's going and some of the pioneers that came before him in Dayton. We also talked a little bit about his family and also how robots can't make funk music. We get into it deep. The What Had Happened Was podcast is brought to you by Cox Digital Marketing. If you like what you hear, and I hope you do, I sure hope you do. Go ahead and subscribe to it wherever you find podcasts. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play and all over the place. You can also find the What Had Happened Was podcast on the Dayton.com app and also information on our website, Dayton.com. Be sure to share with all your friends. Let me tell everybody. Like, tell literally tell everybody you know about the What Had Happened Was podcast. Let's get into it. We're about to get funky with James Diamond Williams of the Ohio Players. You ready? I'm ready. Well, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. I've always wanted to ask, well, what was your nickname, Diamond? Well, when I got in the band, I didn't have any diamonds. Okay. And everybody else in the group, so it was like poking at me. I mean, oh. you know, hey, Diamond, what's up? And people would say, where's your diamonds? I don't have any. Oh, man, So it was funny. like a joke, but it didn't take me long before I got them. <laughs> I, I grew into the name. You grew into the name. I Next grew into the name. Next thing you know, you got all kinds of diamonds. All kinds of diamonds. <laughs> Watches, cufflinks, all kinds of diamonds. Back in the day, what was your car like? Did you have a big old car? Oh, no. I had Maser- I had sports cars. Maseratis, Porsches, 450SL, a couple of which I bought off the showroom floor. Get out of here. I got a BMW today. I got a need for speed, Amelia. Were you driving a close track? Or you? <laughs> <laughs> the world was our track, okay? I mean, we used to cruise around Dayton at 140 miles an hour. You know, I've driven a car 175 miles an hour, Daytona 12-cylinder and Ferrari. Uh Are you kidding me? And we've driven the Autobahn, likewise, over in Europe for for months at a time. So, yeah, we drove sports cars around here. Fastest Italian sports cars, we had them all, from Lamborghini to Uh Ferrari to Maserati, Porsches. The group had them all. And people saw you coming. And going. And going and going. <laughs> and coming again. Yes, right. Obviously, when you left Dayton, probably you weren't as flamboyant. Coming back at, you know, big star, obviously, internationally known. What was that like for you? Uh, it was great. A- again, everything was so fast, you know. We were on the road, back in the studio, playing, back in the studio, living a little bit, back in the studio. We wrote two albums in one year. Okay. Something that is not being done now no. at all. Okay, two albums in one year. Skin Tight and Fire came out in 1974. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so we were constantly, constantly either playing on the road or in the studio. And that made life go a bit quick. We did the Skin Tight album while we were uh, working at a, a club in Buffalo, New York called The Red Onion. 
And at night, we would perform at the nightclub. The first flight in the morning, we'd catch a flight to Chicago, record all during the day, catch a flight back to Buffalo, New York for the gig at night. That wow. happened for four or five days. So we were on a fast pace. Constantly on the road. Constantly. And that goes to like people probably not knowing how much work goes into some of this. That's exactly right. So you have like the flashy cars, the flashy diamond rings and all this stuff, but you also put a lot of work into it. A lot, you know, which is the reason why our music is still being played after 45 years. Mm -hmm. You think about all the music that has been created within that time period, and for people to still be playing Fire, Roller Coaster, and Skin Tight and all those songs is a great achievement within this band because generally people don't play junk. You You either like it or you don't. And you and play we, it and you play something else. Exactly. Right. And for our music to still be in rotation around the world says that we were dedicated to the promise of and to the premise of, of making great music. Mm-hmm. We achieved that. Now, which one was your favorite? Uh, I kind of like I Want to Be Free. Okay. Because it starts off with a drum solo. And it's okay. so different because it's a ballad likewise. Who starts a ballad off with a drum solo? Ohio players. Ohio players. <laughs> That's the only group. So what is this new record you got coming out? We have a new record that's out right now, actually, called Reset. It's off the album that will be entitled, Likewise, Reset. And um, it's doing well, so mm-hmm. and we're getting great response from it. Now, one one of the lines in the um, record is that something to the fact that if you, people say that funk is dead and is not dead or something like that. Yeah. Do you, do you think people today know what funk music is or the history of it or what it's about? I think certain musicians do. You know, of course, it depends on how old you are, Amelia. Mm-hmm. Some, some of the younger musicians and people around might not. And it's just a style of music that has become somewhat popular and the origin of which has been from basically this area. But not only just Ohio players, but Parliament, Funkadelic, and some other groups likewise. Now, obviously, funk is part of um, rock and roll. Right. So what is what makes funk different? Well, what makes funk different is the beat. Mm-hmm. And it's just like disco. Disco is different from funk because disco has a straight beat. Funk does not have a straight beat. It has syncopated spaces that creates a space where you have a different feeling than you do if you were to play a straight beat. So when you guys started out, were you setting out to make funk music, or what did you think you were doing? Uh, a little bit of both. Setting out to make funk music, but setting out, more importantly, to make good music. Mm-hmm. And uh, music that could be appreciated by all. And what makes a, what makes a song good to, in your mind? Well, the lyrical contents, the melody line, the rhythm. You know, years ago in the land, way back when, they used to have Dick Clark on the radio and TV, and And they would ask certain people that were on his show, what did they like about the song that they had just heard? Most Mm -hmm. of of the people would say the beat. So the beat is very important. But, you know, the lyrical content, melody lines, and cross melody lines and patterns, background vocals, all that of which make a a good song. Uh, Do you like any um, contemporary music or is it just funk that you kind of gravitate towards? I I like all kinds of music. you know, Aretha Franklin wasn't a funk artist, but I love Riri uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Stevie Wonder, you know, and some of the artists. I, I like uh, Bruno Mars. I like Brian Coberson. Some of these people that have come out today talking about funk music, and that's one of the reasons why we put the line in Reset, because funk has never died, because Ohio players are still alive. We're just bringing back, you know, a music idiom that uh, we think can be appreciated. So you said never died. Where did it go? Is it... Because obviously you don't have like all the funk artists like you used to, but where, where do you think it went? I think it went to computerization mm-hmm. and uh, machines, and machines are unable to funk. Okay. okay? <laughs> machines don't funk. Uh, <laughs> machines are too perfect to funk. So it, it kind of left, left us for automation. Well, I think 
somebody asked online, because I said I was going to interview you, is they said, um, what is what do you want millennials to know about the line between funk and uh, hip-hop music? That there can be a combination and a collaboration of the two. Mm-hmm. Hip-hop music oftentimes will sample or snatch from one artist a certain line, a particular phrase. And I think in comparison to doing that, they should use some artists that originally made the tracks and collaborate with those artists. Create new songs. So do you, what do you think it's going to go then, Funk, as far as the future? I don't know. I will only be around for so long, Amelia, and after that I will be unaware. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, I don't know where music is really going. I would dare say that I didn't think that the first machine, automated machine that they would have would be a drum machine. Okay. And it would be something that was trying to take my job. <laughs> But it has to a point, and a lot of artists are using drum machines, you know, instead of drummers. Uh, So I I don't know where it's going. You're obviously well-respected as a drummer. Were you surprised that you made the Rolling Stones list of best drummers in the history of rock and roll? You know what? I was totally amazed, surprised, flabbergasted, and just knocked off my feet. You know, when they said Rolling Stones had their article, the best 100 drummers of all time, Mm -hmm. all music categories, and I started, Amelia, I started looking in the 90s. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? From 100 down. I got to 80. It was like, oh, my. Got to 79, 78, 75. It's like, hmm. And I got to 72, and I saw my picture. It was like Christmas had happened once again, <laughs> you know? It was the best day. I've never had personal license plates that said Ohio Players. But once ranked by Rolling Stone, my Ohio, my license plates now say number 72. Now, why was it so important to you? It's something that, I, you know, I've been here all my life. Um, started playing drums when I was seven or eight years old. I took 12 years of private lessons. Did all-city orchestra, all-city band. I went to music scholarships in the summertime at Miami University. Music has always been a part of my life. I marched in drum and bugle corps and all that stuff. and Got a full ride to Kentucky State in music. Okay. And transferred to the University of Dayton. I was one of the first pet band drummers at the University of Dayton at the arena. So you're a flyer then? I'm a flyer. Didn't know I, that. Okay. I, I am pro-Ohio, but I'm a flyer. True and true. So, and a couple of us are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clarence Chet Willis, who's our rhythm guitar player, uh, graduated from UD. I came out of school a little bit early. I got in the band two years before him. And in my senior year at UD, I got the opportunity to join the Ohio Players. Okay. And so, uh, so you I kinda, left school to go through the Ohio I kind of got drafted a million to start me a career. Okay. And I had had a daughter, lovely daughter, that you interviewed, mm-hmm. uh, Shelly. And Very uh, she was woman. here. Yeah. She was here, and it was time for daddy to do something serious. Uh, so, 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 so going into music was serious. <laughs> it, it was as serious as I thought it was, uh-huh. you know. I mean, I left a band that was playing occasionally, but at that time, the Ohio Players had out. Pain and Funky Worm had just been released. And as you know, it was like the, their first Gold 45, and likewise it was with my, with me. So that was like how many years ago? 40 years ago? 40, at least. I got in the band in 1972, so it's about 45 years ago, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So what what was it about music that attracted you, would you say? I went to uh, uh, my dad and mom. My mom played all reeds. She okay. played bassoon, oboe, saxophone, clarinet, anything that had a reed on it, she played. Was she trained or did she teach herself? She, she was trained. Okay. And my dad kind of messed around with drums a little bit and had a great voice. He sang in the, in the Navy choir, but he had great ears. He was a sonarsman on the submarine. Okay. And um, they had the occasion of taking me to a parade one time on a holiday. When I saw the crowd 
just get enormously excited when the drum section came by. Something hit me right then. It was like, there's power in these drums. Okay. You can, you you know, you can take a crowd and move them and manipulate them one way or the other and, and create great excitement. And that kind of stuck with me. I like that power. So what do you, what would you put the power of the drums compared to the power of the um, guitar or the power of the vocals? But what would you rank it? I know you are a little partial because you're obviously a drummer, but. You know, I think they're all the same depending on who picks up the instrument. There's great power in a, in a harmonica. There's great power in anybody who's capable of playing it very well. And so I think the power is equal. So when you look back to those days, did you see this being something that you'd be still doing 45 years later? I had the occasion one time of uh, uh, playing with Gladys Knight okay. and her drummer at that time. Amelia, I must have been 24, 25 years old. And I asked her drummer, he happened to be the music director. And I asked him, I said, how old are you? And he mm-hmm. said he was 39. I said, oh, my God. By the time I'm 39, I'm going to be out here doing this. <laughs> I'd be either in law or I'll go to some other field, you know, a profession. And and today, as I look back at 67, and I'm having a great time out on the road, it's no to answer your question, Amelia. I you never thought that I would be doing it this long and enjoying myself. I thought I'd go off into something else. What do you think you wanted to do? I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as, as much as I didn't know I was going to be in a band and playing for this long of a period of time. So it was, you know, just... Live every day as it, you, you you know to the best. Now, how would the road compare now than it, back then? Is it is it still kind of like rent you know craziness, or is it just kind of more quiet now? Well, quiet is not to worry when you got eleven guys on stage. Okay, quiet All does right. not happen, but it is very rewarding. It's a little bit slower in, mm-hmm. in pace because uh, in the seventies we used to go out for thirty, forty, fifty days in a row. Okay, those kind of touring dates aren't. They're not happening right now. We anticipate it happening again. But um, we go out and we have a great time. And I'm able to enjoy the whole atmosphere of everything that's around it today. Years ago, things were moving real fast. And possibly we were, too, driving around in sports cars as fast as they would go. Mm -hmm. And everything was at a fast pace. Today, it's a little bit slower. Now, do you think the Ohio players could happen today with the changes in the way we we live now? Could a, a band like you guys come out of Dayton these today? Would you say? Well, some of the band is out of Dayton. My horn okay. section is out of Chicago. Uh, Chet, who I mentioned that graduated from UD, he lives in Atlanta now. Billy Beck and a guitar player actually live in Youngstown, Ohio, and one of our keyboard players live in Louisville, Kentucky. So we're kind of spread around. So, yes, I think it can happen again today because good music is something that I think this music industry is looking for. Okay. Not mechanical music, not automated music, but good music written by people instead of machines. What advice would you give to somebody who wanted to kind of jump into music? To stay in school, be able to read, get as much knowledge about this business as possible because there are certain things that people think within this business, such as playing is everything, Uh and it's not. Writing and publishing is everything. Because if you're not a writer and you're not a publisher, where every time a music or a song comes on the radio, you just get a chance to listen to the record. You know, in performance, you only play a certain amount of times within a year, but people are playing your music all over the world. And today, every time you hear fire and roller coaster, it's a big cha-ching going on <laughs> in the air for me, in that cloud. Now, why did you, you stay in um, Dayton? Well, there was no other... I like a lot of areas. Heck, I like Japan, and I had a love for California uh, out in Los Angeles at one time. But Dayton's always been home. Mm-hmm. I like the familiarity. I like 
not being on a crowded street. I like being able to get to the mall in 15 minutes and back home in, in another 15 minutes instead of going just a couple of blocks and, and it taking 45 minutes and the traffic and all that stuff. I told somebody um, a few years ago, you know, I think I've gotten too old for the big city. In my years, in when I was younger, you know, I had, a, again, I had a love for it, but I also had a good sense of home. Okay. And, you know, there's always no place like home. And there was such a, a feeling of just being able to rest and know people around and know people who don't care about what I'm doing around here. Right. You know, that was just rewarding. Now, what, and speaking of dating, too, what was, do you think it was about dating that produced all these funk bands and funk musicians? Prior to Ohio Players and possibly all the bands of our era, there were some musicians around here that were incredible, people don't know about, like Zeke Sloan and Malcolm Taylor and Raymond Herring. And Booty Woods. Okay. And Shannon Booty Bill. Woods. That's a good name right yeah, there. Yeah, Booty Woods, a trumpet player. It was the first trumpet player for Doc Severinston. Really? from Dayton, Ohio. Okay. And, some, and uh, Sarah Vaughn's keyboard player, George McPherson, Archie McPherson, and Ace Davis, and Prince Davis. These are names of musicians that were incredible in the Dayton area. Joe Arnold. They're, they're just incredible musicians. My dad... Uh, when I was mm, 12, 13 years old, would take me to the jazz lab. And I would get a chance to not only see, but they would al- always say, let the little young kid come up and play. Okay. And I got a chance to play with these guys. And As a little kid? As a little kid. How old do you think you were? 12, 13, okay. 14 years old at the most. And then by the time I was 15 and 16, I was sitting in and going on engagements with some of these guys and actually playing and making money. So I think the musicians that were here in front of us and and before us paved the way to bring about other musicians. I hope you are feeling the funk. I hope it is funking through you. Thanks for listening and and sticking with us. I just want to pop in real quick to remind you that the What Had Happened Was podcast is brought to you by Cox Digital Marketing, a trusted name in advertising for generations. Cox Digital Marketing can develop a custom solution based on your digital marketing needs. If you're liking what you're hearing, subscribe to us wherever you find podcasts. We can be found on iTunes and Google Play and all over the place. You can also find more information about the What Had Happened Was podcast on the Dayton.com app and also on Dayton.com. But enough of my yakking. There is more funk to be had. I know a lot of people say they start off in the schools and stuff like that. What do you think would have to happen for that whole thing to be more easy for kids to do? Well, that's one thing, to bring music back into schools. Okay. Um, that would be a big plus because oftentimes people don't have the chance to to have private lessons such as my mom and dad afforded me with 12 years of private lessons. But by having it in school, you still are able to get the environment and get knowledge and tutelage of of people that can teach you so that you get an appreciation of the instrument and a love for what you're doing. And I think that's been erased, and and it's hurt a lot of musicians, future musicians in this area. Now, what did your parents do? What were they like? My dad was the first black bus driver in the city of Dayton. Really? Number one. Oh, that's With cool. a bullet. He was number one. Wow. He flipped a coin with Jake, and my dad won the towing cost. And so he was the first black bus driver hired here at RTA. It was called CTC at that time, City Transit Company. And my mom worked at McCall's, a publishing company. Okay. And she worked also at NCR. So that's what they did. So he was like a groundbreaker, too, kind of um, opened up doors for different people. Absolutely. 
every time I see a bus go by with a black bus driver in it, I think of my dad. Now, what do you think life was like? Like, did people give him a lot of trouble when he was on the bus, or? My dad didn't take no trouble. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't give my dad no trouble. No, he was he was a friendly guy. Didn't take no stuff, though, you know? He was kind-hearted, great personality. You know, my mom and dad were advisors, parental advisors for Drum and Bugle Corps that I was in for years. He loved kids. He had four of his own. Okay. So, you know, he's a father kind of guy, you know? Uh, was married to my mom until he passed away, as I am with my wife. I've been with her for 50 years. And uh, so he was very settled. Yeah, he was a great guy. I was reading somewhere where you where you said, like, uh, something like you had the, the the album covers. You came home one time or something, and, like, your daughter asked you if that is that is that mom yours? Is that mommy on the Skin Tight <laughs> album cover? And my dad said, is this why I sent you to college? Oh, that's funny. You know, it's like... Uh, yeah, Dad, you want to listen to the record? It's more than just the photograph here. But, you know, it was during that period of time, you know? So do you think you guys would have been as popular without those, like, because obviously that won a Grammy, one of the covers won a, a the Grammy. The Honey album won a Grammy. Do you think you guys would have been as popular as you were without those, like, um, provocative risque, provocative? Hey, you know what? No, no, I no, think no. they helped us out a lot. Okay. I really do, because, you know, certain if you can catch the eye, maybe you can catch the ear. Uh-huh. You know, certain people wouldn't basically take the album and play it, but everybody looked at them. Right. Uh, we hear oftentimes today, man, I grew up looking at your album covers. And I tell them all the time, I did too. <laughs> so, you know, it, it kind of helped. Were those naughty lyrics back then or were they like kind of even back then sort of not as uh, risque as some people? You're talking about skin tight, bridges, and all this other stuff. but Yeah, but you know what? There was a certain line of acceptability. And, it, and if you crossed the line, you didn't get played. It wasn't about beeping. Okay. You know, the beep was out. You couldn't say a word then and get beep. You didn't have beep. You just didn't get played on the radio. And today, so you just didn't say it. Yeah, you just didn't say it. Now, you could cleverly say something as we did, like sweet, sticky thing. Right. It's a clever phrase. A fop is a clever phrase. What does it mean? Listen to the lyrics. Right. But you, it wasn't like, let me lick you up and down. Right. Okay. It wasn't like a kid couldn't sing our song and somebody listening to it get offended by the words. Right. Uh, so, yeah, there, it was a much different time. Well, even with Let Me Lick You Up and Down is kind of tame nowadays a little bit. It is kind of tame now. But, I mean, it would be it would have been way over the top when we were recording. Back then, somebody yeah, would have. sure. Even mm-hmm. today. You know, we talk about reset. We talk about five foot five, the way you walk really blows my mind. That's mm-hmm. not saying something else. It's talking about a phrase that you have. Imagination is a great thing. And videos kind of cloud the imagination to you. Every time you listen to a record, you think about that. During that period of time, you could create anything you wanted in your mind. It was not locked down. It was not so stunted that you couldn't, you know, think about some other thoughts yourself. Now, did you go to public school? I did. Here in Dayton. Like, I went to Highview, and then I, I'm a graduate of Dunbar High School. Now, were you part of that whole, like, band culture? Like, in the, I know, like, they say the bands used to compete with each other and all oh, of that. I was, uh, 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 yeah, I was part of the band culture for sure. Drumline, I was drumline number one. What was that like for you, like the whole the, that whole experience, having me, different music programs like that, that actually you had so many in the city where kids, you know, felt there was a competition? And it was. It was great. I mean, it, it brought about a sense of uh, challenging for one thing, but like our drum and bugle corps that we had, we would challenge one another. You know, you'd have a drum line play and another drum line come up. Mm-hmm. One person show off, another person show off. It's entertaining, and that's what it's all about. We Obviously, you can live live in New York or L.A. or somewhere like that. Do you ever get any, like, not backlash, not the right word for it, but 
people in the industry going, why are you there? Sort of. Never. Okay. Never. No question about. And you know, just like uh, Lakeside and some other groups have left Dayton, uh-huh. Heat Wave, and some other people have left Dayton. There's never no backlash. Why didn't you stay here? Why'd you leave? Do what you want to do. What is your hope for Dayton? Well, I've got a couple hopes. I hope I, I get a street named after the Ohio players before okay. any more of us leave here. Right. They've had some prominent athletes, and appropriately so, that have had streets named after them. And I think it's about time for Dayton to recognize the Ohio players and other people likewise in our musical ability that we've had from the, from the city. You know, I, Edwin Moses grew up right around the corner from me, a great athlete. He ran the Olympics and, and won a couple Olympics gold medals. Well, we, we've done the same thing in our, in our music industry Right. Uh, when we've had number one records. It wasn't number one records just on the R&B charts. They were on the pop charts likewise, not in this country, but all over the world. So I think a certain amount of recognition is due. And I would love to be able to drive down the street saying Ohio Players Way, Parkway. Right. It could even be an alley. Amelia, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't mind it. I will still drive down it. And but you be wouldn't just take a, a ditch, though, the Ohio I, Player Ditch. No, I, no. I'll take that, Amelia. <laughs> I'm not too proud to beg. But, um, yeah, I think it's due, you know. Uh-huh. So I would like that to happen. And then I would like for Dayton to have, and I've been thinking about this in collaboration with somebody Possibly. I would like Dayton to have a facility where it would be a great nightclub and restaurant, such as B.B. King's has, or such as some other, or House of Blues, and this would be called the House of Funk. Okay. And have a nice restaurant, but you could have live entertainment, a nice place, nice facility, where we could have entertainment coming through this city. You know, Jilly's is gone now. Right, right, yeah. That was our place. Who's going to replace it? And what kind of place is it going to be? We really, out of all these entertainers we have here in the city of Dayton, there's nowhere we we can go show our wares. That's crazy. Were you close to um, Jerry Gelati at all? Not really close. We played there often. Okay. And he has helped us throughout our career uh, by being a facility that we could play. But uh, I wasn't really close to him. But you, but you appreciate the fact that he had his business open and all oh, that. Oh, my, yeah, I appreciate mm-hmm. it a lot. Yeah. yeah, as far as the Ohio players' way, I think I've asked a couple times the city, and the thing they said was nobody applied or something like that, or which, you know. I could tell you another reason why they didn't give it to us, but we'll keep that. No, go ahead and tell us. <laughs> it's money. Okay. You pay for it, you get it. I don't think I need to pay for it. I think I've done some sweat equity around here, brought enough recognition to Dayton, Ohio, from being here to have earned it. And, 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 and have you ever applied for it at all? Or? I've had other people apply Everybody for it. Apply for yes. it. I've never personally applied for it. It's just like getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think, one, that we're deserving. Right, right. But I'm not going to beg for it. If it comes, I will totally appreciate it. But I have knocked down the door saying, why aren't we in? Yeah, like legitimately, that's one of the things when I first got to Dayton. I'm from Cleveland originally. Okay. I was like, yeah, I was like, I didn't realize that all these funk people were from Dayton or, you know, started their bands in Dayton or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. Until I, and like, it kind of surprised me that there wasn't more recognition of this phenomenon. That yeah, happened. you know, when it, when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame started to take rap artists. Okay. And they overlooked the Ohio players. And it's in Cleveland, Ohio. Right. There's something wrong with this picture. Why do you think that is, though? Is it just because it's it's uh, too specific, or? I don't know. I can tell you, there's probably some politics involved politics with water. that too. So, what about the Funk Center? Are you are you are you excited about that, or? I've got mixed emotions with that, Amelia. Okay. Partly of which because I don't think that they have lent themselves to the artists that that they have asked to contribute enough insight and given us enough room where we could 
have leverage in what they're trying to present. And what I mean by leverage, I think that there's some things that they should be doing. You know, it's like I, I tell people all the time, if the Wright brothers were still walking around the city of Dayton and you wanted to know about flight, wouldn't you ask Orville and Wilbur? Yeah. I mean, if you got a funk center and you haven't called me and you haven't opened the door to say, what can we do here? What do you think we should do? And it's for the benefit of everybody. Some of these people have never been around us during the funk times. Mm-hmm. Haven't been around. And I don't think they really know. They don't know enough to call the people that do. That'll say something for itself. So I'm kind of mixed, okay? I would like to have incorporated a few other things within that funk center. And I won't mention them, but they have yet to hit the mark on what I would like to do. But it be bigger or something like that or bigger? Just more entertaining and more developed to a point where there is something that the artists can give and get back because everybody's trying to get something out of Funk Center. They're not doing it for nothing. Why do they think artists should do it for nothing for the benefit of them? It's kind of crazy, okay? But the bottom line should be so that we pass on our knowledge to kids so that they know, not through videos, but through personal appearances of these artists that are still here so that kids realize what it took for us to do it. There is a way just to reciprocate on some of the things that we've been given and explain to younger kids how it happened. And that's what the part you think is missing, that kids don't understand how it happened. I think a lot of which is missing, but that's one key. Now, what do you want kids to know about that, though? What, do you, what would you tell them? I would tell them, you know, uh, some of which, you know, there's more to being on the road than having a good time. You know, it takes a lot of work. I would even open the opportunity up for certain kids, depending on how they're to be selected, to go out on the road and do a, a gig with this band to see what it's all about, what we do during the day, how we get there, what it takes to get there, all the things that encompasses this band to do what we do. It's more than just going on stage. First, you have to pack your clothes, Amelia. You know what I mean? I mean, that's part of the job. Right. There's all kinds of facets within this business that if a child wanted to know what it takes, the Ohio players could show them. There's some other artists here in Dayton that could show them and tell them. It won't be the people on the peripheral that know nothing about this, never been on the road with us, never been on a tour. How how are you going to tell me about this? And what they try to do is encompass it on video, but you have the people right here that could go in front of these kids and tell them. I, I think it's a misinformia into what the whole music. See, I tell people all the time, I'm not in a museum right now. I'm still alive. We're still playing. We played the Hollywood Bowl with Dave Cos and all them stuff. And, and if you see, if you look up Ohio players on the Hollywood Bowl, they'll tell you the Ohio players stole the show. It, it comes out. That's the headline. Stole the show. So we're still doing quite well. We've had more times this year where people have mentioned on our Facebook page and otherwise that this is the best show they've ever seen. Now, I think it's something that we can give back to the kids. If we're presenting a show such as that, that it's the best show people have seen, I think we could show something. So when, you know, when people go to the Ohio, Ohio Players show, even today, they get a, a top-notch show that's energetic. I've, I've seen you guys perform recently. It is the best show going out there of a live band. Okay. When I say a live band without playing tracks or without any computerization and playing real and, music and hearing things that are not being played on stage. There's a lot of people, quote unquote, faking the funk out here on this road. The Ohio players have 11 piece band and everything you hear and see is being produced on stage. Now what else?
can people expect from this new album coming out? Great music. That's what we've always uh, tried to present in our in our music. It's just it's not about funk songs. It's not about dance songs. It's just about songs and good music. That's why we wrote songs called Contradiction. Okay. Contradiction wasn't no funk record, but it was an idea. It was a concept, and out of which we presented musically a song about contradiction. Little Lady Maria was not a funk song, but it was about Little Lady Maria. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, so right. It, we just want to create good music. And you can like it or you don't have to like it. But I tell you what, the musical content and everything that we present, once it's finished, we're happy with it. So that's all we want to do. Well, awesome. It was great talking with you. Like I, I know you're feeling funky. You are feeling real, real funky about now. I can tell. Thanks a lot for listening in on the What Had Happened Was podcast. It's a funky little product of Dayton.com, brought to you by Cox Digital Marketing. Until next time, keep it funky, Dayton.